Welcome to the new neighborhood. We are excited to highlight innovative early childhood work taking place in communities across the country. In each episode, we'll be talking to people who are building a new sense of community, supporting young children and their families, and focusing on equity right from the start to create a generation where all children and their families thrive. I'm Kaylin O'Connor. And I'm Sanaa Sharif, and we are your co-hosts for The New Neighborhood. Before we jump to this week's episode, we have an update. On September 12th, census data was released showing that the child poverty rate has doubled. This is heavy. We know this is a result of the rollback of the expanded child tax credit and other pandemic supports. We know what works to support families and promote economic security, and this data is further evidence of what happens when we stop doing what works. We need policymakers to know it's unacceptable, and we need to fully expand the child tax credit on a permanent basis. If your family or families you work with are affected by this, please see information in the show notes about how to weigh in. Also in the show notes, look for a blog post from CSSP about these policy choices that are putting families and children into poverty. In today's episode, we're zooming out from our usual focus on local efforts to talk about an issue that affects families across the country. Our guests today are involved in a national initiative called the Automatic Benefit for Children Coalition, or the ABC Coalition, advocating for a permanent child allowance or a guaranteed income for families at the federal level. With us today are Elisa Minoff and Hung Vu, both involved in different ways in the work of the ABC Coalition. Can you introduce yourselves? Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Elisa. I'm a senior policy analyst at the Center for the Study of Social Policy, where I manage our economic justice policy work. At CSSP, we are committed to advancing a child allowance, which we see as an important mechanism for promoting the well-being of children and families and advancing racial justice. And back in January 2021, just as President Biden was taking office, we co-founded the ABC Coalition with our co-chairs, the Children's Defense Fund, because we felt there was a lot of interest in promoting a child allowance, but there wasn't a space to gather and to do that work together in community. ABC is the first national coalition to advance a child allowance. And early on, we decided we want parents and caregivers to help set the direction of the coalition. So we formed the PAB, which is a group of parents across the country who themselves are committed to advancing a child allowance and who have direct experience, not only with their own families, but working in their communities and know what children and families need to be able to flourish. And Hung has been with the PAB from the very start. I'll pass it to Hung to introduce herself. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Hung Vu, and I am a family engagement specialist at the Boys and Book Club of Dorchester in Massachusetts. And I am also a member of Parent Advisory Board of Automatic Benefits for Children Coalition. Thank you, Elisa and Hung. Elisa, let's start by helping our listeners understand why this work is so critical. What are the reasons you think cash benefits are so important for families? So I think it's important to start by recognizing that raising children is very expensive. The Brookings Institution estimates that the cost of raising a child from birth to age 18 is over $300,000 for a family. And the vast majority of families can't bear this cost on their own. We have programs that provide meaningful support to some families that help meet their basic needs. So here, I wanna give a shout out to SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program or food stamps, where families get money on a card that can be used for groceries. That's really helpful to so many families. 
but programs like SNAP aren't enough. In our research at CSSP, we've talked to parents who have really clear and well-defined goals for their families that really by any measure should be achievable in a country with the wealth and the resources of the United States. These parents wanna live in a safe neighborhood. They wanna be able to pay their utilities in full and on time. They wanna be able to sign their kids up for sports teams and ballet. They wanna be able to spend time together as a family, having dinner together at the end of the day or occasionally going to the zoo. But they struggle to do all of these things because the parents work in low paid and secure jobs. They have to work overtime or take second jobs to try and make ends meet. They experience discrimination in education, in employment, in housing, and there are limited government supports for families. The US really underinvests in families with children. And while supports like SNAP are really critical for the families who receive them, they can often be difficult to access and fundamentally do not meet families' full needs. So we need to invest in families and we really need to provide families cash. Cash puts the decisions back in the hands of parents who know their children best and who know how to use money in ways that will best promote their children's health and well-being. Child allowances specifically have the potential to be anti-racist because they don't just repeat the problems with existing supports that have disproportionately excluded families of color and immigrant families in the past and threaten the dignity really of all families who interact with the systems. But instead, the cash benefits like a child allowance can really give families real choices and lift some of the weight off their back so they can pursue their own goals and chart their own paths. Ooh, you said a lot there, Lisa. <laughs> that was so, so true about how we underinvest in families and what impact that has. So we know from a lot of research and anecdotes that the temporary expansion of the child tax credit during the pandemic had really positive effects for many families. I'm wondering if we can spend a little time talking about what those effects are. Hong, I'd love to hear about what the expanded tax credit meant for your family and for other families in your community. So I was drawn to the work of the Parent Advisory Board of the ABC Coalition because I feel it is important to have the Child Allowance Program to continue in the future. My family is one of millions of families in the U.S. that live by paycheck to paycheck and having high debt and low savings. And these unpredictable events such as the pandemic that increase our cost of living while reducing our income. Economic security programs like child allowance will help to prevent the disruption to childhood development that are linked to better economic and health outcomes in adulthood for our children. And as the parent to my young children, I do not have to choose like put a foot on the table over like giving up on taking part in joyful and important developmental activities like playing sport or traveling to see like our family. Yeah, so that's why I feel like those benefits is really important to the family just like me. Thank you, Hong. Those were great examples of what it meant to families. And Elisa, can you share a little bit about what the research tells us? Does Hung's experience align with what you've learned about the effects of the tax credit? Absolutely. So this experience of living paycheck to paycheck is really the norm for families with children. It's not the exception. Um, and so as a result, when the child tax credit was expanded in 2021 and made available on a monthly basis, what we saw is that families across the country used it to meet their basic needs. So the U.S. Census Household Pulse Survey 
tracked how people use their child tax credit, and it consistently found that families used payments most often on food. That was the, by far the number one use for the child tax credit. Following that, we saw families use it on essential bills, clothing, rent, school expenses, families with low incomes, families with children who have disabilities, were even more likely to use the CTC on these essentials. And as a result, the CTC really reduced hardship. We saw food insufficiency fall during the months when families received these monthly payments of the child tax credit. We also have research showing that families stopped using high cost financial services to make ends meet when the CTC payments were going out. So a nationally representative survey that was published by Brookings found that families who are eligible for the CTC were more likely to stop taking out short-term payday loans during the time the CTC went out. And they were twice as likely to stop selling blood plasma than those who weren't eligible. So that gives you a sense of what straits families are in and what lengths they're going to to really try and meet their basic needs, put food on the table. And these monthly payments helped them not have to turn to these sort of drastic last measures and were, enable them to pay their sort of regular bills. At the end of the day, the CTC led to historic reductions in poverty. According to the Census Bureau, child poverty fell to the lowest recorded level in 2021. So it fell from 9.7% to 5.2% using the supplemental poverty measure. And that decline was driven by the child tax credit. So the CTC alone lifted 5.3 million people out of poverty, including 2.9 million children. And these impacts were felt across racial and ethnic groups. And at CSSP, we know that to really understand how policy is working and whether it's advancing equity, we need to talk to people who have been most often excluded by supports in the past or harmed by systems in the past. And we did research over the last couple of years talking to parents and caregivers who identify as Black and Latinx about their experiences with the child tax credit. And what they told us time and again was that the CTC allowed them not just to meet their basic needs, but it really reduced stress and improved, promoted their overall well-being. They said it helped them feel like they could be more effective as a parent because they could do the things that they envisioned for their family and they could spend more time with their children. So I just wanna sort of end this research note with a quote from a parent who we talked to in Michigan. And as father Michael told us, I think the average family is getting something that is well-deserved, that's way overdue. He said people in his community are, quote, it's a godsend. A lot of them feel like, okay, now we're getting a part of what it means to be an American. Wow. Wow. So knowing that the CTC made a big difference for families in 2021, what is the ABC Coalition working on now? Um, let's start with the work you've been doing with other parents. So our parent advisory board had monthly meeting over summer and fall 2022 to bring experience and appetite in shaping, prioritizing, and refining a set of principles. We came up with these principles as parents who have received these benefits, and we want to address the struggle that we have all encountered and struggles of others we know and in order to address them in any future program. And this process took a real long time since 
these were things that we all agree and we all disagree on as a group that were beneficial to everyone who received this benefit. And in the air, the principals are helping organize the work of coalition and establish accountability to the principal and us as a PAB members. And here are seven points of the principles that we developed. The first one is all children should be eligible to receive a child allowance. Second one, a child allowance should provide meaningful support for our families. Number three, the child allowance should be available through regular payments. Number four, a child allowance should be available to all children with no string attached. A child allowance should be easy for families to assess with limited paperwork and burdens for families. A child allowance should be administered by an agency that is equipped to meet the needs of families and ensure the benefits advances equity. And a child allowance should complement, not replace all the supports for families. So yeah, that is seven points of the principles that we all developed. Yeah, those principles all make a lot of sense. Uh, which ones are the most meaningful to you? For me, the principle number one and uh, principle number seven is uh, those points that really related to my family. I want to remind the principle number one is that all children should be eligible to receive a child allowance, regardless of their family structure, the number of children in their household, the immigration status of any household members or the place of residence within the U.S. or its territories. This includes children living with non-relative and keen caregivers and children in and out of home placements in the youth justice or a child welfare system. For me, this principle is important because even though the income instability is common among all families and is extremely felt by the immigrant, as a mixed status family, my family was marked at ineligible for the credit without any further explanation. And we have been through a long process to speak to uh, the IRS and understand why. So I hope with the new principle, it will make the process easier for all of the families. And then for number seven, a child allowance should complement and not replace all the supports for our families. A child allowance program is an important societal investment in families and children that should complement existing public benefits, such as less SNAP, cash assistance, housing assistance, and orders. As many of you know, the cost of raising a children is very expensive, and the more benefits that we can receive, the better it will be. It will bring benefits for the children's educational and health outcomes and long-term earnings potential. We ask parents can use it amount of money to seek out of school enrichment programs just like music and sport to support our children's educational and health outcomes. So the principle number one and seven is really important to me. And this is where my passion go to. Thank you, Hung. And we are putting those principles in the show notes so people can click on that link and read more about the principles. But thank you for that overview and for sharing your own experiences and passion. Elisa, what other ways has the ABC Coalition been working during this time? And are there any promising paths forward right now for a federal benefit? 
So over the last two years, the coalition has spent a lot of time both calling for the expansion of the CTC and then working with the Biden administration and with Treasury and the IRS on the implementation of the temporary expansion in 2021. Since those payments ended, we've really transitioned into trying to lay the foundation for a permanent child allowance. So one way we're doing that is we're working with legislators, uh, sharing the principles that Hung just walked through and that the PAB helped develop, and really trying to make sure that they inform any future legislation and live up to those guiding points. So we shared these principles with staff in Congress, including the champions of the child tax credit. And I'm happy to say that Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro, when she introduced the American Family Act this summer, that is the bill that would permanently expand the child tax credit. It includes many, many points that directly speak to the principles that the PAB developed. It is a bill that expands the CTC in a way that is completely inclusive. So it will reach all children, regardless of immigration status. It is a bill that provides meaningful benefits to families. Many families feel like the CTC should be even more, but it continues the ARPA expansion. Uh, it provides extra bonus for babies when they're born. So it really does align very closely with the principles that have been developed. Even as we're working on legislation and trying to support and educate policymakers about the need for a permanent child allowance, we're also working on the administrative side, doing administrative advocacy to get improvements to the tax system, because we know a child allowance is most likely going to be enacted through the tax system, through expanding the child tax credit again in the future. If it is expanded again in the future, we want to make sure that the tax system can administer it in a way that makes it fully accessible to families. So that's the one of those principles that Hung was talking about, making sure families can access it. So we've been working with the IRS, we've been working with Treasury sort of lifting up some of the experiences that families have had during the temporary expansion of the child tax credit where families did have difficulties accessing the credit and trying to make sure those problems are fixed so that the next time we get an expanded child tax credit, all families who need it can access it. And really the political landscape has shifted at the federal level since 2021, but there may be opportunities for improvements in the child tax credit in the near term. And we really have our eyes set on the future and are looking closely at the exciting work that's happening right now at the state and local level as we do that to try and take any lessons that might be growing out of the experimentation on the ground to make sure it informs any larger federal efforts moving forward. That is really awesome. Well, while the politics of this have been challenging at the federal level, I know there are a lot of local and state programs and experiments with tax credits or with giving cash directly to families. I recently heard about an organization called HELD, 
here in North Carolina, where they work on distributing guaranteed income to individuals and families. And so I spoke with John Thornton, and the quote that he said was, in the 10 years I've been talking about giving money directly to people, I've never seen people's desire for it so strong. What we need now are ways for them to begin to fill those desires, a structure and a means to see that their desire to be generous to others can become a reality. That's what we're doing at Hell, but it's also what I certainly hope becomes a reality on a much larger, more significant scale. And you can learn more about Held in the show notes. So Elisa, can you say a little about the current landscape of these state and local efforts and how you see that fitting with the push for a federal benefit? So there's something really fascinating happening around the country right now. You know, oftentimes we see state and local experimentation pave the way for federal action. But right now, what we're seeing is federal action, both through the temporary expansion of the child tax credit and through the stimulus payments that went out during the pandemic. That sort of federal experimentation in turn has paved the way for work that's happening at the state and local levels. So there are both really interesting guaranteed income pilots happening at the local level across the country and states are creating or expanding their own child tax credits to make them fully available to the children and families who need it most. So just in the last couple of months, we've seen Colorado and Minnesota create new child tax credits that are quite large and available to lowest income families. The Colorado tax credit is available for children under six, and it's $1,200 a year for each child under the age of six. The new Minnesota tax credit is over $1,700 for each child under the age of 17. And these states join New York, California, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Vermont, New Mexico, all in expanding or creating new child tax credits in the last couple of years. So that there's kind of this energy and recognition that families do need cash and more and more work being done at the state level and the local level to try and implement policies to get families the cash they need. That is really encouraging and leading somewhere immediately for the families that live in those states, but also hopefully paving the way for more to be done at the federal level. So do you have any suggestions for how our listeners can get involved in this work and advocate for a child allowance in their communities or states or nationally? Hong, do you want to go first? Sure. I can say, uh, start small. I know that a lot of people in my community do not know like the child tax credit even assist or if they were eligible to receive the benefits. With that being said, I feel like I have a mission to really uplift the family's voices by bringing a group of families and youth into the policy making process by introducing the principles to approve our parents and letting them know about their power. And I will take advantage of any advocacy opportunities to introduce, promote, and build the awareness of the principle. So that is my suggestions for everybody who is interested in the work. And I'll just jump in and say that I think starting small is the right way to go here. And in this case, if parents could get together in their local communities and visit their members of Congress, talk to them about the child tax credit, talk to them about what the temporary expansion meant to them, talk to them about the need for a permanent expansion of the child tax credit. 
members of Congress on both sides of the aisle really need to hear how important these policies are for families so that they prioritize them this year and that opens up opportunities for some improvements this year. And it will open up opportunities for even greater expansions in the future. While parents are doing this really important work and constituents are doing this really important work, if you're a member of a local grassroots organization, if you work for a community-based organization, I encourage you to join the ABC Coalition. You can go to abccoalition.org, that's our website, join right there. We have meetings regularly. You can find out what we're doing to try and advance the child tax credit and child allowance. And we would love to learn from you about the work that's happening in your community and how we can be effective together in this fight for basic assistance that all families need. Thank you so much, Elisa and Hung. In the past, we've asked all our guests what they think the secret sauce is to making their community a great place to raise a child. This season, we're asking about the secret sauce or special ingredient. What do you think it is? Hung, I'll start with you. So for me, the secret sauce is the collaboration. We all have heard the age-old quote that it takes a village to raise a children. And in early recorded history, the villages were made up of groups of people who gathering for survival. But nowadays, the village should be a collaborative effort of policymakers, community leaders, school system, and parents, they all gather together to make sure that the children will grow and thrive. My secret sauce is not going to be super creative here. We need federal action here. So if you notice that I listed the states that are expanding their child tax credits, there are only certain states that are doing that right now. They tend to be blue states led by Democrats, even though there are Republicans in those states that are working closely with Democrats, it can be a somewhat bipartisan issue. But there are some states that we know just aren't going to do the work of it getting cash to families. And it will be the same states that have neglected families in the past, in the same states where racial inequities in particular are greatest. So we need federal action here. And when you're doing your work, local work in your communities can make sure that you're you're reaching out to your members of Congress. You're making sure people know about the need for federal action. That will go a long way to making sure that we, at some point in the future, are able to get a permanent child allowance that really does meet families' needs. Thank you both so much for sharing about your work and your passion for this work, which comes through really clearly. And I hope that our listeners are inspired to get involved and do some outreach to other parents and their community members and members of Congress in particular. So thank you all for listening to The New Neighborhood. Be sure to check the show notes for links and additional information about some of the things we talked about today. And please join us next time for more insights into how communities are coming together to create new neighborhoods and support early learning and development. This limited series podcast is a production of the Center for the Study of Social Policy. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.cssp.org.